A reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 14, verses 23 to 29. Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said all these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. The Gospel of the Lord. Now many of you guys are actors, and I know that. And uh, as pastors, one thing that we have in common is that we struggle with narcissistic tendencies. You know, pastors and actors are in the top ten that struggle with narcissism. This is why I'm on the platform. And so when we understand this, that I'm about to say a statement that I am absolutely 100% the best at it in this room. There's nobody as good as I am in this. This is an egotistical, self-centered, narcissistic statement. But it's true. I'm good at it. This is why I'm going to teach it. I am very good at worrying. I'm very good at carrying stress. I'm very good at teaching people how to embrace anxiety. And I know none of you struggle with this, and I'm going to teach you how to do it. This is not something that I learned in school. This is something that I grew up with. In kindergarten, you have to understand that normal kindergarten, when you're saying goodbye to your parents because you're going to school for the first time, the doctor told my parents that it looks like he's severely bow-legged. And so therefore, what I had to do is I have never owned a pair of tennis shoes until I was 12 years old because I had to wear what's called corrective shoes because my legs were going to get more bow-legged and I was going to begin to walk like this. So I had to sleep with these shoes on with a bar between these shoes every night that I would have to sleep. And I remember saying to my mom, why do I have to wear this? because I had to wear a strap during the day with a hook on my right shoe with a big belt in kindergarten trying to fit in but the only person that would walk like these bow legs. Then when I became in second grade, guess what? My tremor developed and I remember that the doctor said to my parents, it looks like he's going to have cerebral palsy so he's going to be in a wheelchair at age 12 if this progresses more and more. And I remember telling my mom, I don't want to be in a wheelchair. And then when I got my first pair of glasses, which everyone gets excited, the doctor said, hey, is there anything that Kevin, do you have any history of any eye disease? And they said, yes, my grandfather, his grandfather, has a disease called retinitis pigmentosis, which causes tunnel vision, and you lose your sight, and therefore he lost his sight, and it skips every other generation. And so there's nothing you can do about it. It's something that you, you can inherit. So I remember being tested for the retinitis pigmentosis, and I'm going, Mom, 
I don't want to know. I'm going to be in a wheelchair at 12 and then I'm going to be blind. And so you can see how the anxiety builds up when you're stressing on all this stuff. And so just lately, as you guys know, that I have what's called a congenital heart valve disease. Now, a congenital heart valve disease, only 1% of the population has this. That's something that you're born with. I can't be the 1% that is a multimillionaire in the United States. No, I'm the 1% that has congenital heart valve disease. And so there's nothing I can do about it, but they're monitoring it every three months because if this vessel gets any smaller, then I have to have what's called open heart surgery where they cut my chest open and do this. And I remember in September thinking, no, no, no. And then you know how you have those negotiating prayer times with God? And I go, God, I'm beginning to begin the recalibration with the church. And it goes all the way to June while we build all these new systems. Please, God. Let me have the surgery in the summer. And then the doctor goes, well, it looks like let's test it in December. So I went through all the testing and he goes, let's test in March. I went in March and he goes, hey, you know what? It's not getting any smaller. I'll see you back in August. And I went, yes, I don't have to have, to have surgery in the summer. But what are we coming close to June? Guess what more anxiety is happening? Focusing in August right now. Will I have to have surgery in September? And so I don't know about you, but I'm just telling you, these are stuff that I struggle with. And I realize that when I go outside the moment that I live in, the moment is right now, therefore my anxiety is going to be building up. And if I stay within the moment, therefore the peace starts to develop. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out, but why do I go back and forth? See, I play games with myself sometimes, and sometimes I, I have those peace moments in life like you do, but there's a game that I play, and I put it on the screen. It's by Milton Bradley or something, or Mattel. It's called Should've, Could've, Would've. You ever played it? I think I'm the only one to play this game, right? There's no rules to the game. There's no, hey, let's sit down and open the board, would have, could have, should have. Let's just play it quietly. And so therefore, this is what I've noticed, that when I play this would have, could have, should have, let's say the past is over there and the future is over here, then all of a sudden I go right in the past, I leave the moment of peace right here, and I go back, I could have done this. I should have done this. And so what happens, there's another game that I play. It's called Replay Regret. Replay and Regret. You do this? Am I the only one that does this? You're, you're my counselor right now. I can't afford it. And so therefore you can help me. Because you guys live good, peaceful lives. Yes, I don't. I struggle. They hired a pastor that's messed up. So you hear that. They don't know that. That's why I've been here 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> but you go, you, you play the replay and regret. And so what happens, I replay. It could be a week ago, it could be six months ago, it could be 10 years ago. And I'll re replay it and replay it and replay it. And guess what? I have it by memory. And then when I replay it, this is me, then my regret builds up and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And replay and regret produces depression. Lack of motivation, fear. 
And I go, dang, i just good at producing this stuff. I should put it in a box and sell it. Here's some depression. I've, I, don't, I have enough of it right now. I need to give it. And so here's the thing. At the would have, could have, should have, if that's not bad enough, I play another game. <laughs> it's called the what if. Now, what if is that has to do with your future. The would have, could have, should have has to do with the past. So instead of enjoying the moment of peace and tranquility, I'm going to go there or I'm going to go there. It's just a fun little game that we all play. And so the what ifs here is this where I have this incredible imagination. And just me, probably not you. Worst case scenario. You done that? Done that? When I, I, I'm, going, I'm going to die of a massive heart attack next week. That's the worst case scenario. You see? And so therefore you make this worst case scenario in your head that I'm going to be homeless the rest of my life or I'm going to do this and we go to worst case scenario. And so what we do is called preview and prevent. Preview is this what my life will be like because I'm a worst case scenario. Here's a worst case scenario for me. If you have a parent that's battling Alzheimer's or dementia or a family member, what is your top 10 fear? That you're going to have it. You're going to have dementia. And so therefore, my mother has stage 7 dementia, and my uncle died of dementia. Worst case scenario, I'm going to get it. So if I'm in a, doing a sermon like this, and I go, oh, I've got, I got dementia, I've got dementia. You see what I mean? If I forget where I'm going or something, I go, hi, John. They go, my name's not John. And I go, oh, shoot, i got dementia. I mean, am I the only one that does that? Okay. Good. We're all connecting here, which is good. That, that, that just shows you we are all sh fall short of the glory of God. We all need redemptive. We all need healing. We all need direction from Jesus. And so here's what I'm going to do. And last night, this was a problem here, because last night we did, when I share, people interrupt me, and they ask questions. Someone said, how do I get the... So how do I get from this? And the typical Christian has to give an answer that they think is the typical thing. And I'm not going to give you the answer. Because when I try to follow a particular pastor that gives me the answer on what I should do, it doesn't work for me. And then it makes me feel worse. So what I'm going to do, I'm not going to be a self-guru helper here or a motivational speaker or here's the three steps to do it. I'm going to take the scripture because that's my job. I'm a pastor and I'm going to preach the gospel because I'm a pastor. That's what I do. And we're going to see how Jesus dealt with it. And we're going to learn how the disciples dealt with it. Because the disciples, let me give you some background here. The disciples were going nuts because Jesus <laughs> lives in reality. And he basically told his disciples, I'm, it's time for me to leave. Now you watch. I don't have time to go on this. Watch how every disciple handles anxiety different. One denied him. One rebuked him. The others kind of bailed out on him. But let's see what Jesus says to the disciples when he was sensing that their anxiety level, their stress level, their worry level was extremely high. This is exactly what Jesus said to him. And this is what he says to Kevin, your pastor. I've said these things to you while I'm still with you. 
But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace, I leave you. My peace, I give to you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. So when I looked at this, I go, this is my first reaction, I go, damn, that's deep. And then, I, and then I was thinking about this. I was going, okay, there's two things that he promised here, two things that I will receive. The first one was the Holy Spirit, right? Now, follow me on this. This is where it gets deep. If you think about it this way, the same Spirit that was in Jesus, he's promising you that Spirit will be in you. That same spirit that motivated him in ministry, that kept him focused, that kept him going through the Garden of Gethsemane, going through all the hell that he had to go through, even hanging on the cross, that same spirit, he promised you. He promised me that that spirit would be in you. And not just in you, but with you. Correct? This is what it says. And then he promises, and he makes it clear, you ain't going to get this, but he promised you Peace. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that's not dependent on circumstances, but it's an inner peace that is manifested through that Holy Spirit that is in me. So I look at this and I go, what is my problem now? Why am I struggling with this? Look on the screen. The Holy Spirit makes real to us God's comforting presence in the moment. Now understand comforting. Because what we do is we ask a bunch of questions. Why is this happening? I asked my ex-wife, why did you leave me? She told me. It didn't comfort me. It just made no, 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 it's true. It doesn't comfort you. And so this is, answers don't comfort, but we have to ask, why God, why God, why God? It ain't going to comfort you. So the Holy Spirit makes real to us God's comforting presence in the moment. We can be in the midst of a turmoil and suffering, but the Spirit of Christ is available to us when we go back into the moment and away from the would've, should've, could've of the past. The what-ifs of the future within any moment is beautiful gift from God. Christ's own Spirit is at the center of our being, who is still calm, comforting, and advocating on my and your behalf. Now this may sound like a self-help guru little thing, but it's not. It's a word of the Lord. It's a word for today. Now get this, follow me on the screen again. The Spirit says when we are imagining the worst, what if possible, here we say, I am not in that future. That future only exists in your mind, but I will be with you in every future moment, just as I am with you in this moment, to comfort you, to advocate for you, and give you peace. Now, if that's not the good news, I don't know what is. But the only part that we can do is what Jesus were do, is what Jesus told the disciples not to do. Do not let your hearts be troubled. This is the problem with your pastor. Not only do I take my own stress, I take your stress. When I listen to you, I feel you. And now when I go home, I go, now I got that weight. 
I shouldn't say it that way because I love you guys so much. You know, I don't talk to Kevin, he's going to kill himself. You know, <laughs> my suicide note would be for someone else. He didn't have enough guts, so I did it for him. You know, it doesn't make any sense. But I love people. I really love. I got, you know, you hear a lot of pastors like Alan, Reuben, and I don't like people. You know, and I get it. You know, but I love people too much that I just feel their weight all the time. I take it home with me. I make it a matter of prayer. And when you move on, I move on with you. It's a weird thing. It's a weird, but that's me. Back on the screen. The Spirit says, oh, I said that, sorry. Jesus knows suffering and trouble is a huge part of our life. Jesus knew when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he tapped in his center. He said, you know, he was anguished, he was stressing out. I'm telling you right now, if I'm going to be killed in the most painful way of dying, I would be a little stressed too. But somehow how he centered himself, he said, not my will, but thine. He centered himself right in God's spirit, in the Holy Spirit, where he could have piss, piss, Peace, who knows what he did in the garden. But anyway, he had peace. I'm going to help with that one. Okay. <laughs> Lord, heal me from my speech impediment. <laughs> okay, now, now I have to say, you know, like during the announcement, they go, if you have any children in the service, we want to say this is PG-13. Who knows what's going to come out of this guy's mouth, but he loves you. Okay, on the screen, it is when we stop doing that we regain our peace. It's when we let go and let God. We immediately become aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit as still point in the center of our being, and our serenity is returned to us. I'm sorry, I kind of skipped one. Here, let me go back to the other one. Jesus returned to peace by doing nothing, by letting go, by surrendering to the moment. We have a human tendency to want to shape reality to our own agenda. And well, the way to tap into the peace of the Holy Spirit at the center of our being is to surrender to God's will. We pray to Jesus, not my will, be, not my will but your will be done. That's where we need to change our frequency. Because my frequency is self-centeredness, trying to do this. Our frequency needs to be the Holy Spirit. And what happens, I shape my own reality through my own self-centered agenda. And so, therefore, it becomes real to me. I need to center the frequency into God's frequency. This is where I call living in texture, which is important. Let me explain this. A lot of us go through life either backwards or go forward. And this is Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen is a great guy. He's my age, and he has a church of 35,000. Not that I'm jealous. But anyway, but he always talks like this. Do you want to live as a victim, or do you want to live as a victor? Right? Now, just look at that statement in self. Now, that's a good statement. But either way, to live as a victim, I have to go here. To live as a victor, I have to go here. Right? So he's encouraged me not to live as a victim, but as a victor. 
So I can't let this control me. Now what happens is when I focus on a victorious life, then I'm afraid I don't want to make any mistakes. And so therefore what happens, we go, I'm not sure this is God's will. Because somehow we interpret God's will of no suffering, not going through anything, and perfect, right? This is when we start dating. Is he a man of God? Is he not? Because I don't want to have difficulties in marriage. Jennifer married me. That was her fault. Okay? I, I, I'm a godly man, but I'm messed up. So there is suffering, even through good marriages. I'm telling the truth. What, these little self-righteous men, you think you're easy to live with? <laughs> and so let's look on the screen. Regret for the past or plan control for the future. Either way, you're not going to have peace. If you live as a victim or you live as a victor. Because you've got to control your outcome. It produces a lot of stress. This is what if I fail. We play what if games. And therefore, when we decide and we tell people within the church, I'm going to live a victorious life, then we have an audience watching us that we're going to live a victorious life. So now we're afraid. Now we're projecting like we're victorious, which deep down we're not. And so the lack of authenticity, projecting, this is why the church has a reputation of hypocrisy. Because they're pretending to live these victorious lives, but deep down they're empty inside and they're frustrated with themselves. Here's where I think of the textual works. Follow me on the screen. A life with texture is only found in the present moment. Texture is when joy is found in the midst of struggle and peace in the present, in the midst of turmoil and suffering. It is an awareness of the presence, of the love that the darkest pit can't overcome. It is, it is a love we know through the presence of the Holy Spirit, no matter what is going on in the presence. That's why in the sermon series, if you notice, we titled it The Pattern. Now, it's interesting when, I, when we go, oh, I see a pattern in life, what do we do? We take it negative. And what's the opposite of pattern? Inconsistency. Either way, we take it as a negative, right? We go, okay, do I have a pattern or am I inconsistent? Pattern is a positive thing. And so this is where it is. What I'm talking about today is the pattern. Follow me on the screen. When we become aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are brought into a Christ pattern in which we often suffer crucifixion and experience resurrection simultaneously. We don't seek to escape suffering of a current moment through control. We surrender to what is happening and experiencing the comfort of the Spirit as we go through it. The suffering and presence of God's Spirit with us become a cocoon within which transformation takes place. A new life is then birthed. This is what we need to. Finally, in the New Testament, the Revelation re reading today shows that the future we are headed for. It's a picture of being completely united into God's presence because of heaven has come down to earth. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. This is, here, here's Christians. Drive me crazy and I am one. That's a problem. They can't wait to get to heaven. Kind of, because they don't want to die. But, man, I'm going to have a peace when I get to heaven. And I always make jokes about heaven better be big to, in order to have that peace because 
you better be on the other side of the planet when it comes to, you know, for me to have peace. And I think my wife's going, thank God there's no marriage in heaven. <laughs> you know, could you imagine being eternity forever? And so we look at this. You know, I'm off my meds, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, I can't afford it. So, so here's the thing is, we always wait to go to heaven. But you have to understand, the Bible says heaven will come down. The presence of God will saturate you at now. I can be healed. I can be in the presence of God now. When I stand in the moment and allow the Holy Spirit to fill me and allow the peace to overwhelm me, when I am in the moment for today, right now, it's a moment. Enjoy it. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy the peace. I have today. Why am I worried about August 15th? Why am I worried about dementia? I don't have it. Why am I worried about it? I know what you guys are thinking. You think you're all funny. I, look, I have a sensitivity. You're going, yeah, right. You know. I have the ability to listen to other people's thoughts. And I can tell you, you're thinking that. And so, so this is where God's presence is available to us now and forever. You don't have to wait for this incredible peace. I don't have to wait until the doctor says, you know what, you're going to be fine the rest of your life. Then I'm going to think, how long is the rest of my life? <laughs> right? It just perpetuates. Enjoy the moment now. And so here, I, I wasn't, let me read this on the screen. We can live in the texture of the now, but not yet. When we surrender at the moment, we find the external peace of the Spirit's presence right here, right now. No more would have, could have, should have. No more what ifs. There's only the moment experiencing it with God's Spirit as comfort and stillness right in the center of our being. What a gift that is good news. I shared this last night, and I have a pastor at the Presbyterian Church and his wife that come to our church. And he came to me, and he said, I'm preaching on the same subject today. He's preaching right now. And he goes, but I'm not using the text. I'm using the text of Peter walking on the water. And I asked him, how are you closing it? And he told me, I go, I'm going to use that. And so he said this. He told me, he goes, do you know uh, Greg Boyle? I go, no. He goes, no, you do. Oh, Father Boyle. Yeah, I know Father Boyle. I don't know Greg Boyle. You know, I don't, I'm not on a first name basis with this guy. And so he goes, Father Boyle. He said, if you read the book called Barking to the Choir, he got this little string with a knot from the Della Ama. Della Ama? Della Ama. Della Ama. You know, Della Ama. Yeah. You all know that. And he wears this string with a knot on it all the time. He talks about how stressful he is in his life. He talks about how he had a, on a laying off 300 people because the funds are not coming in, or how people are end up going back in prison and stuff like this. And he says what happens, he, got, he has a string that gets knotted up every single moment of the day. 
and he has his stuff and unknot it and put, untangle it and put that knot in the center of his wrist. He says it reminds him that I'm not asking God to take charge of my life. I'm asking God to be the center of my life. And I go, ooh, that's a good closing illustration because that's what my sermon is all about. It's not about Jesus taking charge or God taking charge of our life, but being the center of our lives. And when we look at God being in the center of our lives, at the moment, we just have to remind us, you are the center. Your Holy Spirit dwells within me. I may be broken, but you're a God that heals. I may need to be restored. You're a God that needs to be restorative. I may be a person with regret. You're a God that never looks at my regret. You're a God that loves me so much that I can enjoy the moment in the presence of you now. May God bless you and may God bless his word.